Hi, welcome to Harrison's Pod Class, where we discuss important concepts in internal medicine. I'm Kathy Handy. And I'm Charlie Weiner, and we're coming to you from the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 66, a 22-year-old with a history of cancer. Okay, Kathy, you're going to like this one. So here's the case. A 22-year-old man comes to you to establish care. He just graduated from college and moved to your state to begin a job in the tech industry. He's living with his college girlfriend, who he intends to marry, and they're planning on starting a family within the next few years. He's well-versed in the healthcare system because he's a survivor of childhood leukemia. At age 10, he had a bone marrow transplant from his brother that was curative. This is a great topic to discuss. So one, there are millions of cancer survivors currently, and as treatment improves, it's projected that this number is just going to continue to increase. The vast majority of these people will bear some mark of their cancer and its treatment, and a large proportion will experience long-term consequences that will include medical problems, psychosocial dysfunction, economic hardship, sexual dysfunction, and discrimination regarding employment and insurance. So tell me about some of the medical problems. The types of damage from cancer treatment vary depending on the regimen. Often, a final common pathway is irreparable damage to DNA. Surgery can, of course, create dysfunction, including blind gut loops with absorption problems and loss of function of removed body parts. Radiation can damage end organ function. For example, we always have to think about cardiovascular toxicity in patients who receive chest radiation or pulmonary fibrosis and neurocognitive impairment. Plus, radiation can act as a direct carcinogen. Cancer chemotherapy can also be a direct carcinogen, so secondary malignancies can be a concern, and each agent has specific short-term and long-term toxicities. Okay, so that's a general background. Let's get to the question. The question asks, all of the following statements regarding his cancer and cancer treatment are true except. So uh, four true statements and one false statement. Option A is age at time of treatment is not related to fertility outcomes in childhood survivors of cancer. Option B, intrathecal methotrexate could contribute to neurocognitive dysfunction in survivors of acute lymphoblastic leukemia treatment. Option C, the testes in the ovaries in patients before puberty are less sensitive to radiation than in patients after puberty. Option D, suicidal ideation and suicide have an increased incidence in cancer patients and survivors. And E, follow-up for his cancer and the related toxicities should continue indefinitely. Well, let me start with some of the true statements and explain those first, and then we can talk about which one is false. Okay, let's go through them. All right, so first, all former cancer patients should be followed indefinitely. This is most often done by oncologists, but demographic changes suggest that more primary care physicians will need to be trained in the long-term follow-up of treated cancer patients who are in remission. Cancer patients need to be educated about signs and symptoms of recurrence and potentially adverse effects related to therapy. Cancer survivorship plans help patients and providers know what to be on the lookout for. Can you give me some examples of that? Sure, so annual mammography should start no later than 10 years after breast radiation. And patients receiving radiation fields encompassing thyroid tissue should have regular thyroid examinations and TSH testing. Patients treated with alkylating agents or topoisomerase inhibitors, those both carry the risk of hematologic malignancies, should have a complete blood count regularly and cytopenias or any abnormal cells seen on peripheral smear or macrocytosis should be further evaluated. What about some of the other answers? They uh, mentioned things like neurologic and psychiatric dysfunction. Are those important for these patients? 
Yeah, so chemotherapy and radiation-induced neurologic dysfunction is unfortunately increasing in both incidence and severity as a result of improved supportive care leading to more aggressive regimens and longer cancer survivorship, allowing for the development of late toxicity. Direct effects on myelin, glial cells, and neurons have all been implicated with alterations in cellular cytoskeleton, axonal transport, and cellular metabolism as mechanisms. So I'm going to assume those can lead to chronic neurologic problems. Yeah, neurocognitive dysfunction has been well described in childhood survivors of ALL treatment, and that includes intrathecal chemotherapy, and patients may also have received prophylactic cranial irradiation. Chronic methotrexate toxicity develops months or years after treatment and is characterized clinically as progressive loss of cognitive function and focal neurologic signs, which are irreversible, promoted by synchronous or metachronous radiation therapy, and more pronounced at a younger age. Many cancer patients experience intrusive or debilitating concerns about cancer recurrence following successful therapy, and providers need to ask about and address these issues explicitly with patients and provide appropriate counseling or support systems. And unfortunately, suicidal ideation and suicide have an increased incidence in cancer patients and survivors. Okay, so that answer about suicidal ideation and suicide is obviously true. We've also already talked about the fact that these patients need to be followed indefinitely or that neurocognitive or neuropsychiatric toxicity is a concern. What about reproductive health long-term? So far, the answers we've discussed are all true. Which of these, uh, one of them has to be false? Alkylating agents are associated with the highest rates of male and female infertility, and this is directly dependent on age of the patient, dose of the drug, and duration of treatment. The age of treatment is an important determinant of fertility outcome, with patients before puberty having the highest tolerance. So option C, testicles and ovaries in patients before puberty are less sensitive to radiation damage. That's a true statement. Therefore, A is false. So that statement says that Age at time of treatment is not related to fertility outcomes in childhood survivors of cancer, and that statement is not true. Fantastic. So a lot of good teaching points here. First, it's important to note that cancer survivors will need lifelong follow-up for the various degree and multitude of toxicities associated with treatment and the cancer itself. Some of these are from the treatments directly, some are a result of life trauma associated with the diagnosis, therapy, and survivorship. And it's also important for the patient and the provider to know the type of cancer and all the treatments that were received to best understand future health risks. And to learn more about this, you can read in Harrison's chapter on the late consequences of cancer and its treatment. This is Jim Shanahan, publisher at McGraw-Hill. Harrison's podcast is brought to you by McGraw-Hill's Access Medicine, the online medical resource that delivers the latest trusted content from the best minds in medicine. Go to accessmedicine.com to learn more.